Right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. I'm going to be in the NIV version. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to verse 28. If I can see if you've got your... You've got paper Bibles. I'm hearing a little bit of rustling, a little bit of rustling. Yeah, there we go, paper Bible. Yes, mum, I like that. iPhone lovers. Okay, okay. Wow. Android. <laughs> Pastor Emmanuel, I take, I take everything I said back. This is not a safe place. This is not a safe place to be in. All right. We're going to be reading. Can we read this together? Is that all right? Any word I don't say, I want you to shout out. Is that okay? It's going to be on the screen, so we'll be able to do that. Here we go. So it says, leaving that, leaving that, Jesus withdrew. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Because I grew up in a church where anything could preach. Anything could preach. Okay, like, I grew up around people where it would be like, oh, my phone's not working. And somebody would say, well, at least the blood of Jesus don't stop working. That's the kind of place that I grew up in. And so that has conditioned me so that when I read scripture, everything can preach. So when I read these words, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew, I start to think about the fact that I'm grateful that Jesus left that place called heaven. And I'm grateful that he stepped into human history and he took on flesh and he led a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death, even though he committed no wrong. Three days later, he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now every single human being has the opportunity to, to, for salvation and transformation by putting their trust in him. And then the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as a seal and a sign that one day Jesus will return, but also that we are saved. And what will happen is, is all disease, all strife, all anxiety, all depression. It will all be wiped away simply because Jesus left that telling you anything can preach the bible tells us that jesus left that place we have to dig a little bit deeper and so what is the place that jesus left well you don't have to find out in chapter 15 at the beginning because there is an exchange between jesus and the pharisees jesus is almost put on trial and the pharisees are trying to to question who jesus is they're trying to, to kind of mar his name in dirt. They're, they're trying to do some dissension and separation between Jesus and his disciples. And I don't know about you this morning, but I'm grateful that I left that place where I was actually separated. I'm glad that I left that place where emotionally I was not whole. I'm glad I left that place where all I was doing was questioning myself. I'm glad I left that place where all I was doing, where I didn't really know who I was. I'm glad I left that place to come to this place to be with Jesus. But we just reading though, we just reading, yeah? We just reading. Leaving that place, Jesus, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A, a woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of, son of, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where what they have said has surprised you? For example, I have a son who's six years old, Joshua. He was in Stronger Kids, which is our children's ministry. And our children's pastor said to me that we, I asked Joshua if he wanted some sweets. And Joshua said, no, I don't really want any sweets because I had a lot of sweets yesterday. 
Now that is surprising for me. One, he's six years old. Two, with my son, he never refuses food. Doesn't matter what it is. He could have just had dinner. I could eat a little bit more. He's had dessert. I could eat a little bit more. He's had breakfast. I could eat a little bit more. And I was quite shocked and surprised that he said what he said because I understand who my son is. For some of us, we just rush over scripture and we don't see the shock and surprise because this woman is a Canaanite woman. Mark tells us that she is a Gentile, but she says something incredibly Jewish. She calls Jesus the son of David. Now, there was an understanding that the Messiah would come and he would come and he would be a part of the lineage of David. So Gentiles didn't really care about David too much, but the Jewish people did. And the disciples and the readers of Matthew would have been very surprised that that revelatory statement would have come out of her mouth. Sometimes we miss this stuff because we are not in their cultural river. There are some things in scripture that go without being said. Like we just understand, isn't it? You know it's just not cool to put your hand in a black woman's hair. Like you just don't have to say it. You just know like... When you're at work and people are like, oh, can I look at your hair? You're like, mm, no, don't do that. There's just a few things that go without being said. And because we are in our cultural river, we can miss stuff that's in their cultural river. And so when we are studying scripture, we don't just have to study the words of scripture, but we have to study the world of scripture. Because it gives us the context and understanding of things that are happening. But we just reading though, Yeah. We just reading, yeah? yeah? Verse 25, it says, Jesus did not give her an answer. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt down and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the... And toss it to the... Now, just reading this on the surface, I feel like Jesus is just, he overstepped the mark. He's just, he's moving a bit mad, okay? And it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. This is where my imagination rolls with me, yeah? I wouldn't be surprised if after Jesus had said that to her, she said, forget you, Jesus. And she would have gone home, she would have spoken to her sister, and she would have, can you believe I went to go see Jesus, the so-called son of David? And can you believe what he called me? He called me a dog. Hey, listen, I would not even be mad at the sister if she called her husband, Tim, and he said, do you know what happened? I went down, my sister, she went down to see this so-called son of David, because you know how Kamisha, Kamisha's the girl that's got demon-possessed. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding stuff on because my imagination. I wouldn't even be mad if all three of them, rolled down to the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, rolled up on Jesus, there was a fight, Peter started cutting off ears, and Jesus had to restore the ears, and then they walked away. I wouldn't be mad at her if that would have happened. I know you're probably thinking, Jerome, that is quite a vivid imagination, but the truth is, is this, is that for some of us, we have been called far less, but would do far more. See, this is an opportunity for this woman to be offended. And for some of us, we love taking the opportunity to be offended. I cannot believe it. The pastor did not say hello to me. I cannot believe it. 
that the pastor did not come over to me and greet me. It doesn't matter that I slipped into church late. It doesn't matter that even before the service finished, I had gone. I cannot believe that those people down there at the Cornerstone Church, they didn't even send me a card when I wasn't feeling well. It doesn't matter that I didn't tell them. It doesn't matter that the people that I did tell, I told them to not tell. See, it's a a sign. It's a sign. They They are not people of the spirit because they will be able to discern that I was ill. I am deeply offended. Some of us, I need to be careful because I want to be invited back. (laughs) But some of us, we take the opportunity to be offended all of the time. But we just reading though, yeah? We just reading. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great, you have great, you know there's only two people in the whole of the Gospels that Jesus says has great faith. It's this woman and the centurion. Bearing in mind, Peter walked on water. The first and last man to walk on water. And what does Jesus say to Peter? You of But this woman has, which has caused me to ask the question, what moved Jesus to say that this woman had great faith? What is it about this woman that meant that she is the one of two people that Jesus says has great faith? Maybe our understanding of great faith is a little bit different from Jesus's understanding of great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Title of my sermon this morning is simply this. I'm going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. Have you ever had a a conversation with somebody where you have requested something from them or you've said something to them and you are waiting for them to respond? You're waiting for them to respond, and you're not 100% sure whether they have heard what you have said or not. And so you're waiting, and depending on how urgent the thing that you are waiting for, or depending on on how urgent or or how uh, impatient you are, you will say, yo, did you not hear what I said? And for me, when I have been in situations like this, and I began to study this text, I felt like maybe that's what happened here. Maybe this woman, she came to Jesus and she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy upon me. My daughter is demon possessed and she's suffering terribly. Now, maybe there could have been a uh, a bit of background noise. So Jesus didn't hear. Maybe, I don't know, he was distracted or whatever. But the text tells us that she is crying out. The text tells us in other translations that she was shouting. So it couldn't have been that Jesus didn't hear her. Now, for some of you in here who are spiritual and mature in the faith, what you would say is, is, Daron, no, 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 it's not that he didn't hear her, it's that he was causing her to wait upon him. Because you know the scripture, he who waits upon the Lord shall renew. I hear you, innit? I do hear that. <laughs> but from the woman's perspective, and even my perspective, It don't feel like Jesus didn't hear her. It feels like Jesus 
is ignoring her. He's ignoring her. Because it's clear that she is in a dire situation. It's clear that she needs divine intervention. But Jesus is silent. He is saying nothing. Year was 2014 and me and my wife, we had decided to expand our family. And so where we were staying, it wasn't big enough for us. And so we started saving and and we actually moved in with her in-laws. And and during the process of that year, my wife fell pregnant. And so we're getting ready for this baby and we're getting ready for, for this house. And I remember sitting in the driveway of our new house and my wife turned to me and she said, babe, I need to go toilet. And so I said, oh, yeah, cool. So she went in and she came back out and she said, babe, we need to go to the hospital. And so we drove to the hospital and in a, mo- in a matter of minutes, we were sitting in a room with a nurse. And the nurse said to us, your wife's waters have broken and you are going to have this baby. But the only issue was, is that my wife was only five months pregnant and so the consultant came in and said the chance and likelihood of your baby surviving is more or less zero man at that moment I got on my phone and I started calling texting every holy spirit believer I said listen you need to pray for a miracle I was watching any sermon that was talking about faith or God doing the impossible or any of those types I was on it all just to build me up But on the 29th of December, 2014, my son Caleb Nathaniel Rudder was born sleeping. And I remember sitting on the bed and holding him in my arms and begging and pleading and crying out for God to bring him back to life. On the 19th of January, 2015, I buried my son. A dire situation in need of divine intervention. And Jesus is silent. I know I'm not the only one in here today who is in a dire situation in need of divine intervention and Jesus is silent. I know I'm not the only one that is asking themselves the question, did you just not hear me, God? Did you just not get the message? Am I just ringing the wrong number? Am I not communicating to the right person? Because I know for me, that episode and season of my life, a dire situation in need of divine intervention. And Jesus is silent. What's really interesting is as the story progresses in Matthew chapter 15, when Jesus does decide to open his mouth and say something, it's not necessarily what you think he should say. Because he says, I've actually only been sent for the lost sheep of Israel. Nothing to do with the daughter who is demon-possessed, but he starts talking about sheep, starts talking about dogs, starts talking about tables and master's tables. That's not what I prayed for, Jesus. 
And I said, and we established before that, this was an opportunity for this woman to be offended. This was an opportunity for her to be offended. But if you dig a little bit deeper into the exchange between her and Jesus, you understand that this conversation is deeply theological and deeply revelatory. Because this woman utters some words that show she understands something that the disciples and the Pharisees up to that point in Matthew had not comprehended. She utters and says, but doesn't the, the food from the tables, even the crumbs from the tables fall from the master's, sorry, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She realizes the real mission of Jesus. That yes, it is primarily first to Israel, but it was always supposed to go towards the end of the earth. She understands something that the disciples don't understand about Jesus, really until he is very, very close to his death. And even when he is close to his death, they still don't properly understand. But this Canaanite, Greek, Gentile woman understands something about him that not many people caught. I don't know about you today, but all of that said, I'm always still brought to this question, why does this woman have great faith? Why, why is it that Jesus looks at her and says, you are a woman of great faith? And I believe that the answer is found in our understanding of this word, faith. Do you mind if we go a bit deeper this morning? You sure? I'm going to get a bit Bible nerdy on you and just for a few moments, okay? See, the Greek word for faith is pistis. Come on, everyone say pistis. Don't worry, you're not swearing. It's okay. Some of you struggled. Oh, I'm not sure I'll say that. And it's usually connected to an understanding of faith to do with trust and to do with belief, but primarily... The understanding of pistis in Greek, it connects to this concept of faithfulness, of fidelity, of loyalty. And so when you hear that Jesus says, woman, you have great faith, you have great pistis, what he's saying is you have great faithfulness, you have great allegiance, you have great loyalty. Because when you begin to read this story, you understand that if that is what faith is, this story hits differently. Because this woman comes to Jesus and Jesus is silent, but she remains with him. She remains faithful to him. She remains loyal to him. She declares that I am going nowhere. You may not say the things that I want you to say, Jesus, when you do speak but I am going to remain with you. I'm going to remain loyal to you. I'm going to remain faithful to you because I am going nowhere. Come on, even the people that are supposed to reflect who Jesus is, they treated her terribly and told her to go away. Those people that are supposed to reflect Jesus, they're supposed to reflect his ministry, supposed to reflect his purpose and his plan, they treat her wrong. 
but she still remains with Jesus. She still remains faithful to Jesus. She still remains loyal to Jesus. She states, I am going nowhere. And I believe that God has brought me here to encourage you today because there are some of you in here who have gone through tragedy, who have gone through pain, who have gone through hurt, but still you lift up your hands, you open your mouth and declare that God is good even though life is bad. You state that I am not going anywhere, that I will serve Jesus for the rest of my days. And I want to let you know that is a sign of great faith. We underestimate the power to just remain. You thought that you don't have a lot of faith because the miracle's not happening. But you have great faith because it means even if the miracle doesn't happen, I'm still going nowhere. I'm not here for the hand of God. I'm here for the face of God. I'm not here for the treasures. I'm here for the presence. Great faith is able to have heaven silent, the church offend you, and not really sure if you get healed, but still declare, Jesus, I'm going nowhere. Whether I get healed or not, whether I get blessed or not, provided for or not, delivered or not, I am going nowhere, Jesus. I'm going to remain loyal. See, here's the thing about loyalty. It is either, it, or I'll say it this way. Loyalty is not lip service. It's not lip service. I mean, if, if you're with a, a girl and you're dating a girl and in, in private, she's kind of like, yeah, 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 like, you're the best. Like, I just love you so much. Like, I don't know why every woman's voice sounds like that in my head. <laughs> That always just comes out. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm out. Sorry. But then when you step out on the road and you try and grab her hand, she says, no, 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 there's people around. <laughs> that girl is not loyal. Oh, come on. If you're with a guy and he's like, yeah, listen, like all in the DMs, you're the best. You're beautiful. You're 10 out of 10, you're X, you're Y, you're Z. But all now you've been with him three years and you still ain't seen his mum, you know. I'm saying, I don't know if he's... Because loyal is not lip service. Loyalty is lived out. See, your life reveals your loyalties. But here's a question for some of you in here. Is your loyalty to Jesus revealed in your life, though? When I look at your life, do I know that you're loyal to Jesus? When I look at the decisions you make, does it point to Jesus? When I look at the way you spend your time, does it point to Jesus? You spend your money, you spend your words, the investment that you make in yourself, does it point to Jesus because loyalty is not just lip service. Loyalty must be lived out. And for some of you in here, you know that you have actually 
step back from Jesus. For some of you in here, you know that like this stuff is just lip service. Because you can never tell if someone is just lip service or not. It's just when the rubber hits the road, when difficulties come, when tragedy comes, when the chaos of the world slams against your, your existence. And there is no nice scripture that wraps it up in a bow that says, well, all things work together for good for those who trust the Lord. Did that not work? And for some of you, you've taken a step back from him. Because the scriptures and the nice bite-sized preachers that you used to listen to, it's just not enough. Because this has really just been lip service. And I want to challenge some people in here this morning because I believe that there are going to be some people that are going to make a stand, a declaration that says, Jesus, if I get healed, if I'm blessed, if I'm provided for, if I get the promotion, if I get married, if I don't get married, if I get the car, if I get all of those things or none of them, I am going nowhere. All because Jesus pledges allegiance to us. Jesus is loyal to us. Jesus declared on the cross that he is going nowhere. And so this is our response to him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I didn't want to preach long because I wanted to be invited back. <laughs> but I also wanted to create space. Because I know that all of us are hurting and in pain. I know that actually for some of us, we are in seasons of our life where Jesus is mad silent. And you're just questioning like, what are you doing? But I need to encourage you today and say, stick with Jesus. Remain with Jesus. Discipleship is not about the gifts. The discipleship is about God. It's not about getting from God. It's about being with God. Whether I have all of the things on my list or not, God, I'm declaring that I'm going nowhere. And for some of you, that has been your prayer. That has been the way that you have lived. And I need to commend you. I need to encourage you. I need to let you know that you are a giant in the faith. Just because you cannot tell the future, it doesn't mean you're not somebody of great faith. Because faith is about faithfulness. It's about loyalty. It's about allegiance. It's about declaring that whatever happens to me, Jesus, I'm sticking with you. Whatever I go through, Jesus, I'm sticking with you. My son, his name is Caleb, and our pastor at his funeral said to us that Caleb means total devotion. And he challenged us as a couple and said, I want you to live a life, Jerome and Leanne, that is totally devoted to God. And so wherever I preach and wherever I go, 
that's the message that I always want to communicate. Because I know life is not a bed of roses. And I know things happen in life that there is no easy explanation for. The doctors turned to us and said, it's just one of those things. When you don't have a reason to grab a hold of, even though there would never really be a good enough reason. But still, we had to make a decision. I said, Jesus, we're going nowhere. Yo, the world is crazy. And it doesn't need a generation of believers that can worship good. It doesn't need a generation of, worship, of uh, believers that can quote 100 million scriptures. It doesn't need a generation of believers that can go to worship event after worship event and worship event after worship event and prophetic night after prophetic night. All of those things are amazing and good. But what it really needs is people that say, in the chaos, I still remain with you, Jesus. In the cost of living crisis, I still remain with you, Jesus. Because people will look at you and say, why do you have peace in a storm? Because I serve the one who is king of the storm. And I'm remaining with him. If that is you today and you're saying, Jerome, you know, I, I, I have stepped back, I think. This stuff has just become lip service to me, really. And I understand that I need to make a, a declaration, a proclamation today that says, Jesus, I'm going nowhere. I'm going to steal Pastor Kunle's uh, title of his message when he came to preach at our church a few weeks ago. Because he asked the question, are you all in? Same message. To say, I'm going nowhere, Jesus. Because I'm going to be all in. For some of you this morning, you know you're not all in. But today is the day that you pledge your allegiance to the King. That you pledge your allegiance to Jesus. That you go all in and you declare, I'm going nowhere. If that's you, I would love for you to come to...